Harlan made a request that since uh, next week is starting that Lord's Supper class, uh, would I explain, give a little commercial for the Lord's Supper? Um, in uh, 19, probably 1978, I was I was a pastor of a church in Oklahoma City and. Uh, doing the Lord's Supper. We did it the first Sunday of every month. And, you know, you do things kind of the way you you grew up doing them. So the pastor I grew up under would always say, um, he, he would come to the all, to the table at the front and he'd say, uh, it's the Lord's Supper, and he'd, he'd have a few things to say. And then he'd always quote from 1 Corinthians 11, and the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said this is my body um, uh, do this to remember me and then we'd take the bread and they'd pass out the cup and so on um, and I was going through that and I thought this is getting awfully repetitive for me uh, as I was leading the Lord's Supper and I remembered a statement from one of my professors a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew <laughs> And so I thought, if it's getting repetitive for me, it's really getting repetitive for the people. And furthermore, <clears throat> I discovered several years later, uh, anything you're confronted with over and over and over and over and over again, you cease paying attention to. Um, there is, I, I, I learned this idea in junior high, <laughs> and I remember testing it. Staring at a spot, and this is not what I was supposed to be doing. It was at church, and I, I'd stare at a spot over the pastor's head, and just keep my eyes fixed on that without blinking as well as I could. And eventually, I'd quit seeing it. You, you experience this through walking into a room where there's a strong aroma, and you're kind of struck by it when you come in, but then. As the as time passes, you don't remember the you don't even sense it anymore. Our senses are made to dull by um, regular exposure to stimuli, and so I thought, goodness, uh, is there some way to freshen up the Lord's Supper for myself so that I can help people have a different perspective on the supper? And, that began a study that that was in 78 or 79 um, that began a study which culminated a couple of years ago when I or about, about a year ago when I finished writing my book on the Lord's Supper um, I had no idea where it was going to lead when I started but I thought well one of the things you've got to talk about is bread why did Jesus choose bread if I had known what he was doing, now, of course, I wouldn't have done this because it was Jesus, yes, but, but if I had known what, I was, what he was doing, and if I had been Peter, I might have said, Lord, don't take the bread, take the lamb. Yeah, right? Why, why did he choose bread? Why didn't he choose the Passover lamb? Uh, and then, growing up Southern Baptist, why did he choose wine? <laughs> but he, he never actually refers directly to the wine. It's either the blood of the grape or it's my blood. Uh, but he never refers directly to the wine. So 
why doesn't he? And and one of the more common ways that he refers to the to the to the to that is the cup. Why does he keep calling it the cup? This cup is the new covenant in my blood. He doesn't say this wine is the new covenant in my blood. He says this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now there's a figure of speech called metonymy, in which a container can be named to include its con- its contents. Yes, he went to get the ca- gas can and filled up the car. Are you with me? Yes. So we know that there's there's something in the gas can. He didn't just go get a gas can, any gas can. Is it not on? Yep. Um, um, so why does he keep talking about the cup? Then, oy vey, that's way louder than I anticipated it being. Is it too loud or is it? Yeah, yeah okay. Gosh. <laughs> um, I thought I had it arranged better than that. Is that, is the, is this better? No, that's not even on. One, two, three, four, five, six. Is that about right? All right. Um, but uh, there are there are four passages on or three. Yeah, four passages on the Lord's Supper: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and First Corinthians. Um, if if you were going to teach a Bible study on the Lord's Supper and you were going to teach each of those four passages, would they have the same message? Or would the purpose of the book, of each book, have an impact on the meaning of the, of the, of the event? Does that make sense to you? Um, so just thinking about those kinds of things. And then um, you have John 6, which is not about the Lord's Supper precisely. But it's talking about bread, yes? And Jesus' flesh is true bread. So what does that contribute? And my, my blood is true drink. True drink. What, what's he talking about there? Why, I, we know what he's talking about, but how does that bear on the supper? Furthermore, then, um, the New Testament calls the, what Jesus does on the cross a sacrifice. Well, there's a whole body of literature in the Old Testament on sacrifice. Um, four of them are are without doubt related to the supper. The, f- the fifth one may not be, but it's certainly related to the work of Christ, and that's the burnt offering. In Leviticus 1 to, 1 to 7, there are uh, five sacrifices, burnt, grain, peace, um, sin and guilt offerings, and each one of them, with the exception of the burnt offering, because nobody ever ate any of the burnt offering, but with that, with the exception of that one, the other four have something to say about the Lord's Supper. Uh, surely, um, folks, God gave Moses and Israel the Book of Leviticus fifteen for fifteen centuries before Jesus came. Okay, um, and then Jesus comes talking to them about sacrifice. Surely we're expected <laughs> to think about the Lord's Supper in relationship to the, those sacrifices. Furthermore, uh, we read and, and 
growing up, pastor always quoted this. And going out, they sang a hymn. And the hymn that they sang was, Blessed be the tie that binds. Oh, you remember how people sang back. Our, our hearts in Christ. And I get grew to hate that song because it's just, I, I like good crisp tones, not slides. But, um, but uh, what did they sing? And it's, it turns out that it's well known what they sang uh, at Passover as at um, Feast of Tabernacles for centuries. They sang Psalms 113 to 1, uh, 113, 14, 15. Yeah, 113 to 118. Uh, so this, this is well known. Uh, the, the, so uh, if going out they were singing, but by the way, the text doesn't say they sang a hymn. It said they were singing hymn noon. It's a, 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 a past progressive tense. So, so they, they were singing as they went out. Um, so among the songs that they sang would be Psalms 113 to 118. What relevance would those psalms uh, have for the Lord's Supper? And so that's what this study is going to be about as we go through this. The um, I had initially thought that um, the um, oh we'll also have to say something about Passover. Why did Jesus? Why did this all happen at Passover? And of course, you you have immediate ideas on that, and and they're all valid. Um, but the but that's another aspect of what we're, we're we'll study in that. Uh, then I had initially thought in the study that surely the servant passages in Isaiah would be relevant. I just couldn't find any way to specifically tie them in. Um, so uh, pa- Passover too, I was surprised. There were very few themes, just a few, of Passover that are relevant to the Lord's Supper, but uh, it is kind of an interesting oddity. I couldn't find anything in the passages that was even cited in the New Testament with reference to anything that Jesus did. So uh, it was a little bit... I had to I had to soft-pedal the material on Passover. I don't intend to get through all that material uh, in uh, in the class that we'll meet on here at the church Wednesdays from 10 to 11. I don't intend to get through all that material, but we can do some of it and sketch that out. I'm going to be able to give you the outline that I have on the Lord's Supper. It's way too detailed, and there's way too much information on it to be very useful, but it'll, if you are interested in taking the course, that will be available. So... Um, did you say you did or are in the process of writing a book? Oh, it's complete. Uh, in, it's, it's in the process of being typeset in Germany. The typesetting is almost complete here in the U.S. Um, the publisher said last week that it probably will be available to me next week to look at, uh, along with the cover and uh, some of you know the name Andrew Spurgeon. Uh, do you know Do you know the Spurgeons? I think so. Okay. Um, Andrew and his wife Lori are missionaries from. I, I, they may be supported by First Man, for all I know. Yeah, they are. But, 
um, and by Central Church, and uh, they are now in Singapore. But Andrew is over publications for the Asian Theological Association, so I sent him the manuscript, and he showed his committee, and they enthusiastically approved it. Now he's trying to find a publishing house that will publish it, so it may be published. It it is being published in Europe. It is being published here, and it may be published in Asia. So this is more than a kid from Britain, Oklahoma could ever dream of. But so um, we won't be able to do the whole. Um, gamut of thought next semester, but uh, or starting next week, but we'll we'll do something with it, and I'll plan to end it in December wherever we are in the study. I probably will start with the sacrifices just because uh, Chago and I were talking about it, and uh, he took Old Testament introduction with me last semester here in in Central Bible Institute, and he say what you told me a few minutes ago. Yeah. That I, I really, I, I really came to, to, to be, I became aware that what I knew about the Lord's Supper was complete, it was off the mark, mm. and, uh, and I had never, I had never approached the Lord's Supper from from the background or the foreshadowing that was already in place in the Old Testament, especially in the Book of Leviticus. Mm. You know, yeah. and once I took that class and went through the Book of Leviticus, this was like a like a curtain just opened up and said, Wow. Yeah. How so, did I miss this all these years? It's this right is plain view. This is a a, a a a a passion of mine that I've been able to mm-hmm. work through. I was surprised at the brevity of the book. It turned out to be—I don't know how long it'll be in print, but it was uh, only about fifty thousand words. A dissertation is usually about forty, so it was just a little bit longer than a dissertation. I was surprised at how brief, but thankful that um, one day. I was sitting in my study writing, and I, I wrote something, and I sat there a moment, and I thought, it's done. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to finish it that morning, and it was done, and I, thank you, Lord. I woke Jan up. She was still asleep. Well, honey, I finished my book. Oh, good. And she went back to sleep. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, that's uh, that's what that study's going to be about. So if you're able uh, and interested, we can we can pursue that. Uh, for our study, we likely will finish next week. I know that's shocking to you because we've got twelve to sixteen to do, but this is application. We've been laying all the groundwork for it all the way through. So what we've been saying is is preparing us for everything we're going to say. There's not going to be a whole lot of difficult material to address here. Um, so if you're inclined, we talked about going on to uh, finishing Romans and then going on to another book. If you're inclined to do that, I would be happy to continue. If, if you've got other things you need to do on Thursday afternoons, I under, understand heartily. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I had suggested Galatians, but that may be too much like Romans for you to jump back into quite now. But maybe Ephesians could could be a study that we could do. That's a wonderful book. Yeah, it is. Uh, so um, if you're interested, that's an option. Yeah, as opposed to the other 65 that are not so good. 
Ja. Yeah. Ja. Okay, well, we'll, we'll. Jim, yes, you brought up, you know, when I was in my early 20s, when cassette tapes yeah. were the things we listened to, I listened to uh, a tape, the front and the back is by Vance Havner. And the the titles, I still remember it, you know, 50 years ago. Yes. Getting used to the dark and getting used to the light. And both of them have it. We get used to the dark, and I had that conversation here just recently. So you start watching the, uh, you know, the words under a movie. Yes. That you don't notice how many off-colored words are used. Yeah. You and you see them, but when you when you hear them, they just sort of pass you. You know. And, yeah. Uh, but and the second night, it was getting used to the light. How that we live in all these blessings. We just take it for granted. Yeah, that's right. Everything. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's get after Romans then and make a stab at this uh, material. Thank you for doing that. Oh, sure. Um, The uh, we've been arguing that the the point of the Book of Romans is to solve a problem at the in the churches at Rome over disunity, specifically over uh, food practices. Uh, so in chapter 14, the weak eat vegetables, the strong eat meat. And the weak condemn the strong and the, and the strong despise the weak. Uh, and Paul has been writing this about grace to say, look, you have no ground for despising your brother or condemning your brother. If God has justified him by faith, you have no ground for despising or condemning. There's no room for that. So what Romans 12 to 15, 12, 1 to 15, 13 are doing is, is Paul moving um, somewhat gently <laughs> to that point. <clears throat> so in, in 12, 1 and 2, here is, a, here is an outline of the whole uh, section. In 12, 1 and 2, he's going to lay out the basic issue and you know these verses. How, how many years have you known them? You've forgotten when you even first learned them, probably. But I beseech you, therefore, brethren, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may... Um, I forgot how the King James go. Prove... Uh, that the will of God is, is good and acceptable and perfect. So here... We've taken these as fundamental spiritual life verses, and I've, I've heard people preach on these verses about crucifying the flesh. Uh, they have nothing to do with that. They are spiritual life verses, but they're not about how to be spiritual. It's how spirituality expresses itself. So, I beseech you, therefore, by, brothers, by the mercies of God, where are the mercies of God? How do we? Where does he explain the mercies of God? First eleven chapters. First eleven chapters. You know, uh, one great teacher I had once pointed out that at the Dallas Seminary, you realize that chapter twelve comes after chapters one to eleven. That's right. One thing I've learned, and 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 for that reason, you now know the wherefore, the therefore. 
See? Uh, so, the therefore is calling us back to chapters 1 to 11, and the mercies of God is calling us back to 1 to 11, and we're, we're to make our bodies living sacrifices. It's not that I am to crucify my flesh. It is that I am to sacrifice myself for the good of others. Um, that, will, that will demonstrate it in three ways. In 12, 3 to 8, by ministry through spiritual gifting. I will, let, just by way of anticipation, look at verse uh, uh, 8. Uh, if it's in exhortation, by exhortation, the one who shares, let him do it with generosity. The one who manages, let him do it with, with zeal. The one who shows mercy with happiness. Um, if you have the gift of mercy, I, I don't know really what most of the gifts are. The good thing is the head of the body does. <laughs> and and he, he's able to use his body pretty well. As he sees fit. As he sees fit. But I suspect if you show mercy, if you have the gift of mercy, then you're probably surrounded with a lot of hurting people. Well, what does that mean to you physically and emotionally? It's costly. It's costly. Then if, if the gift of mercy is a costly gift, there's a good chance that all the others are costly too. And it's in your ministry and spiritual gifting. We'll have more, a little bit more to say about gifting before we're done today. Um, if you are are ministering in your spiritual gifting and it's not costly, then you're probably not ministering in your spiritual gifting. Yeah. Uh, the gifting is probably not what you're supposed to enjoy. It's what the rest of the body isn't is supposed to enjoy. Would you say the biggest cost is time or? Oh no! With mercy, it's it's uh, uh, emotional Pouring out your strength. Yeah, it's it, it's just it, it's costly. See, Jim, I've always been taught just the opposite. I know that the things that if you're spiritually gifted in giving, then giving just comes naturally, and it's not mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. a big deal to you. It's yeah, naturally. Um, my point my point of view. I'll, I'll say more about that when we go. Uh, 12, 9 to 13, uh, how, how far does that go? 13, 14, 12, 9 to 13, 14 is about uh, something I can't now remember. Um, what is evil go fast into? Yeah, well, it's, it, it's, it's about um, unfeigned love. Yeah. Well, folks, love that doesn't cost you anything isn't love. Right. Am I right? Uh, all of you are married and <clears throat> marriage is costly it's hard yes Amen. Um, and love that fails is not love so in the midst of the hard times in a marriage love keeps you there and keeps you paying the price in order to get to that 30th and 40th anniversary <laughs> yes am I right so love is sacrificial there is no sacrificial non-sacrificial love so that takes us all the way down through chapter 13 verse 14 and then 14 1 to 15 13 is about this issue of breaking up the community over uh, food practices
And so this is where we're headed with the, with the material. 12, 1 and 2. Those who are righteous by faith must offer their bodies as living sacrifice, being transformed with renewed minds to demonstrate how good, perfect, and acceptable the will of God is. That's, that's my attempt at a, suffer, at a summary of this. Um, the word, do you have, what do you have? How, what's the first opening phrase in verse 1? I urge you. I, pre- I, I urge, you. urge you. I appeal to you. I beseech you. Um, in um, Philemon, verse 9, um, Paul says to Philemon, Though I have the authority to command you, yet out of love I beseech you. He uses this word. This is, this is not a rule from heaven. It is the loving apostle calling brothers and sisters to their status as Christians. What are you thinking, Kachago? Oh, I'm just repeating Parakaleo in my head. Oh, yeah. So, the, so I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Mercy is something God, that, that God shows to the helpless. And that's plural. If we were to unpack mercies, we'd have to go back through the two years. Has it been two years that we've been studying? I don't remember when we started. Maybe a year and a half. It's been a while. Um, we'd have to go back through everything we've said. So as as Larry said a minute ago, this is right. We have to go back to chapters 1 to 11 to understand the mercies of God. Uh, and then, next, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices. There are no living sacrifices. <laughs> Any sacrifice you make, you kill. So how are we living in sacrifices? In effect, we're living in death all the time. Um, we're always living in the idea. It's, it's like having a newborn baby at home. You're so excited when the baby, when you find out that you're expecting. Yes? The mom is less exciting when excited when the labor pains start. Yeah? It loses all the, all the luster. <laughs> uh, when the baby is born, both of you gush over the child. Am I right? Then you go home. And the worst thing I've, I've discovered that God ever did to the human race is he didn't give an owner's manual to parents. Where, where, where are the spare parts? Where's the on-off switch? <laughs> yeah. Yes? I wish God had given us an, an owner's manual for new parents. Uh, and... After three or four or five or six nights of the baby crying in the middle of the night and you're, wake, you're waking up, you're not used to that yet. You can't easily go back to sleep, yes. Uh, and you're getting wearier and wearier. And your wife is home taking care of the baby while you're off earning the money. And she is so completely fatigued that she says to you, I can't walk the child tonight. Will you take care of it? You never did that, did you, Linda? <laughs> uh, our daughter had, our oldest had ear infections. And she would be in terrible pain. 
we took her to the doctor, did everything we knew how to do for her. And Jan walked the floor with her for nights. And I was in the Army and had to be in formation at 7.30 in the morning. So it wasn't an, an issue for me. You know, I, I've got to get up and I've got to be on, on the ball. One night she said, I can't, I can't stay up anymore. I was, I'm worn out. She had to stay up all day and I had to stay up all night. And so I walked her that night. <coughs> but that's the costliness of love. Uh, this is, this is you're making your body a living sacrifice. Well, what you've done for your children is what he's calling us to do for one another. And indeed, the whole body of Christ. Make your body a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And that's your, your reasonable. Uh, the word service there is the kind of word that you would use for a layman serving at the tabernacle for example, in the Old Testament. Um, and don't be conformed to this world. Don't buy into the world's standards on these things. Um, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. What Paul is going to say in the verse, in the passages that follow is going to require a renewed mind to embrace. So, by, by the renewing of your mind, so that you may demonstrate... Uh, that God is that the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. It's complete and it is doing what it ought to be doing. So this is this is not about how do I get holy, how do I get spiritual, how do I keep from sinning. This is about how do I serve in the body of Christ. Yes, sir. Can you unpack the renewing of the mind? What? Yeah. It, it, this almost seems like a command that we are supposed to yeah. allow this to happen. Yeah. That, you know, growing up, they'd say, well, have a quiet time, be in the Word, yeah. pray, you know, yeah. that's renewing your mind. But what? what well, it's, it's learning that I've been accepted by grace, therefore I must extend grace to others who are recipients of grace. It's learning that my interests are never the most important. Um, so that so that I begin to think the way Jesus thought. Um, Jesus came not to not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Yes, he who had the right to to be served, he had the absolute eternal right to be served, came to be a servant. <laughs> then. I have to renew, I have to get my mind renewed. We were created to be rulers, but but sin made that impossible, but it didn't change the fact that we were created to be rulers. It's corrupted our thinking about rule. Uh, when I when we're at the grocery store or when we're in someplace and I hear a child screaming in anger, uh, the the first thought to my mind is the king is not happy. Because <laughs> the child is created to be a ruler and intends to rule the parents if they will let him. Yeah. Yes? Absolutely. And we see the fruit of that <laughs> in our day. Uh, so we've got to learn that the nature of rule in Scripture is service. It, it's not command authority. <laughs> it is... Uh, 
where where in the military, Chago, are you ever at a point where you never have somebody higher in grade than you do than you are? Never. 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 You always have somebody come out over you. Ever. Always. So you're always at that person's beck and call. You're always at that person's disposal. No matter and, and you're you were a brigadier general. So yeah. um, so the the point is, folks, we are always servants of the most high God, mm-hmm. but that entails that I must be servants of the servants of the most God, most high God. This is the renewing of the mind. Uh, in light of that, then, there are there are three things. Well, I've, I've been saying a lot of this already, so here's the here in the notes. <laughs> uh, but going on, 12, 3 to 8. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Uh, do you see a parallel between verses 1 and 2 and what Jesus said about the summary of the law and the prophets? Are all summarizing this? It seems to me that oh. verse 1... Dovetails very well with yeah, love yeah, God above everything yeah. else. And then the second part is verse 2 lines up pretty good. And, yeah, and your neighbor is yourself. Yeah. But both verses are about serving our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Exactly. The, the whole thing here, um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so, is that two, two instructions, or is the instruction present your body because of before it says being transformed when you think that yeah that, that yeah it's almost like that's a natural progression but yeah that's something that it probably is that I, that I, it probably is so instead of i've always tried to well i need to transform my mind yeah by mm-hmm. or be transformed or renewing my mind so i've mm-hmm. done it but this well is, there is an aspect of of searching it's seeking out renewal yeah. in the sense that what, what you're doing right now is doing that so yeah. you're, you're looking to see all right what's scripture teaching and that's part of the renewing of our mind but it's in the service that i begin to see god where you really see it is when you do some little something kind of offhand and and someone will say uh, to you months, perhaps even years later, what you did that day changed my life. You know, what did I even do? And they'll tell you, and you, know, you you maybe even vaguely remember it, and they, and and you begin to realize God has been using me in ways I never expected. So uh, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. So when I hear that, I'm I'm sitting there thinking, what this is telling me. That my calling is to submit to God. Yeah. And present my body as they submit, you know. Yeah, but it's primarily doing it via your service to the body of Christ. Yeah. yeah. So it's not that I submit to God and I, I spend 24 hours a day praying. So I'm not monastic. Yeah. I get out and I, I get with the body of Christ, which is down and dirty. It's, it's living in the world today and the nasty now and now. And so i got to live in that nasty time and help people pick up pieces when pieces need to be picked up. It's ugly, it's dirty work, but it's got to be done, and it's the, it is what raising children is. It's what living in a love relationship is. So chapter 12, 3, then through 8, 
those who are righteous by faith, should offer their living sacrifice expressed in ministry through spiritual gifting. And there's some fundamental issues about spiritual gifting that we've got we've to work out. First of all, notice he introduces, oh, that's verse 9. Uh, I, I say, for I say through the, the grace that has been given to me to everyone who is among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. When I am, when I am um, thinking that I am here to be served, I'm thinking more highly of myself than I ought to think. When I recognize that I'm here to serve, then I'm getting a more appropriate concept of myself. But he goes on uh, to each one as God has. Um, Let's see, where did it go? To each one is God has, has measured out the measure of faith. And the measure of faith here is going to be uh, explained in terms of spiritual gifting. Let me talk about spiritual gifting for a few minutes. Most of us were raised with the notion that at new birth you get a, a spiritual gift and you have that the rest of your life. Where is that taught in Scripture? I don't find it in Scripture. Um, what I do find, turn to 1 Corinthians 14. This is the strangest verse. It, it upset me when I first read it. Um, he's talking about the value of, of the gift of tongues. And he's, he says the value, it does have value, but only if there's an interpreter. Yes? Yes. Right? Uh, so if there's no interpreter, don't speak. But he does give an alternative. Verse 13. For this reason, let the one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Oh, I thought you got all your spiritual gifts at new birth. Exactly. So, if you don't get, if you can actually pray to get a spiritual gift, then evidently you don't get all possible spiritual gifting at new birth. Furthermore, we have assumed that each one of us has one and to hedge our bets, we might say, or more spiritual gifts. Yes? Where does the Bible say that? Um, let's, let's talk about the spiritual gifts just briefly. And in fact, let's go back to 13. Uh, in chapter 12, I mean. Um, um, verse 10 What are spiritual gifts that are listed in thirteen? In, in thirteen? In I'm sorry, chapter twelve, verse nine. In verses, uh, I'm sorry, I'm still off in the woods. Twelve three to eight. What what spiritual gifts are listed in that passage? Twelve three to eight. Prophecies. Prophecy service. service teaching. Teaching. Exhortation. Exhortation. Generosity. Generosity. Leading. Leading. Mercy. Mercy. Uh, leaving out the obviously miraculous ones, in this case, prophecy. Leaving that out. All, all, probably all spiritual gifts are miraculous in one sense or another, but leaving out the ones that we, we regularly recognize as, as miraculous. How many of those are we commanded to do anyway? All of them. All of them. 
what if you don't have a spiritual gift? What, what if you are gifted? And the needs of the community in which you live determine the function that God intends to use you in, but he may change that at a given time, or you may change your community and have a different function. So the gifting is localized in space-time. Well, it's, it could be localized. I'm, I'm just saying what if at this point. Yeah, yeah. What I'm suggesting is that God may choose to use you in any number of ways in any number of circumstances. And you're not to think of yourself as having a spiritual gift, but being gifted. Does this make sense? Um, then, uh, if, if thinking about a broader list, evangelism and... and uh, what are some of the others? Um, evangelism and management and um, some of the others. Help me out here. Um, administration. Administration. Leadership. Leaders. Well, yeah. Um, but, but which of these are we not commanded to do? So, since we have commands to do them, when they are needed, we may, be, we may, we may know that we can count on the ministry of God in our lives to carry out that ministry within us. So it's not that, well, I don't have the the gift of working with children. Where is the gift of working with children? I don't understand children. That's that's one thing. They they make no sense to me. (laughs) I I don't know how to talk to them. I don't know how to deal with them. But but, uh, uh, leaving that aside, uh, there is no gift for Child, ch- children's ministry. There is, there is gifting. Uh, am I making sense to you? Mm-hmm. So the issue is, whatever command God has given to us, He has intended to enable us to carry out, and we may count on that. That entails the notion then that when I'm dealing in a situation where there is hard feeling in the community, twelve three to eight. All of these things are things that God intends to do in the community. And we can't say, well, I just can't put up with people who eat meat. That's not an option. Of course you can. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have saved you and him. Does this make sense? It's nice that he talked about meat and didn't talk about some things that we don't like in the Mid-South. But... uh, uh, the ministry in, in in spiritual gifting is ministry in spiritual gifting. So it's it's not that I have I don't even know what the gift of teaching is. Somebody somebody said you clearly have the gift of teaching. I don't know what it is. I really don't. I've tried to study it to figure out what it is. I have no idea. Um, maybe I have it. Maybe I don't. It doesn't matter. What matters is that. Um, with the advantages God's given me. I'm using the time and the resources that I have to, to do that, and I trust that God will will use it to, to the benefit of some. So, that is the living sacrifice piece coming in. <laughs> Go so, yeah. yeah. And with a doctorate from Dallas Seminary and $5, I can get coffee at Starbucks. So, maybe. Yeah, the little one. 
I, the bookstore either, but I don't, I don't, I don't like Starbucks and I don't like coffee, so <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. But, but. you know, uh, it, I'm in my in my life, I've used this as a task to, but that's not my gift. Yeah, you know, I don't really need to worry yeah. about that. I don't like to worry about it. Well, that's what people I mean, have constantly done. Maybe if I if, if they put me in their Sunday school class to teach it, they would say, "You're right. That's not your." <laughs> so there are things that I think that we're. I don't know. God gives us the ability in some areas, and yeah. we're placed in a circumstance. Mm-hmm. He gives us the ability at that yeah. time yeah. to to minister. Yeah. Through that, and uh, well, there, there are things that I feel comfortable with. And felt God's given me the ability to do. Yeah. And I've kind of just settled on, well, that must be my spiritual gift. And, and it, it could just be an ability and a circumstance. Yeah. And there are people who can't do what I do, but lead Sunday school classes and have an enormous spiritual impact on people. Yeah, you know, so. Um, so it seems to me that as a, as a believer, my reaction to this is that I need to be open all the time. Mm-hmm. to however God wants to use me mm-hmm. with whatever spiritual talent or right. he wants to apply That's at right. that moment in time. And when when I'm the person on the spot, I can count on God's resources yes. to get me through this and, and do what is right in his eyes uh, for the people to whom I serve. One thing that I struggle with is, so you drive by the guy on the corner, Twenty bucks, or is he going to go buy drugs with it? Or you know, it's just—I uh, don't yeah. always feel like. And then there's been times that we were in New Orleans. We were no, we were in Las Vegas at a conference one time, and then you, you get a lot of opportunities to give there, walking down the mm-hmm. strip. I bet. And uh, you know, you just felt like you, know, you just felt like you should do it. Yeah. So it's, it's a, that's a—that's always been a struggle. Yes. Yeah. Guys, I need money for beer. Yeah. Well, that was been on, yeah. He was. I think that was over on summer. I've been on the news. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that was it. All right. Uh, 12, 12, 9 to thirteen fourteen now takes up as you see. Uh, we're really moving quickly here on this. Twelve nine to thirteen fourteen. Uh, those who are righteous by faith must offer their um, living sacrifice through sincere love. Uh, do you know the etymology of the word sincere? Have you ever heard this? Um, when when they would make columns, if there was a crack in the column, they'd fill it with uh, wax. Um, and then they'd paint it. They, they always painted the columns, so you couldn't tell. But a sine cara column, sincere, column had no wax I mean, it's, it's all marble all the way through uh, they, so sincere love is love that's not patched up with wax any place if you will uh, in verses 9 to 18 those who have received grace from God should love one another sincerely verses 9 to 18 folks I'm not going to take time to, to read through this I don't even know some of the vocabulary here uh, but each of these things has to do with genuine love. Um, um, being moved with, with loving emotions, with, with brotherly love toward each other. 
um, preferring one another in honor. Yes? Are you with me? Mm-hmm. All of these things have to do with how we look at each other. The entailment of this is if I prefer the other in love, in honor, rather, then how can I, de- how can I despise or condemn him? Yes? This is simply not an option here. So if I'm about the business of the master, then these are the things that I will be involved with. So uh, he goes on sharing with the saints, uh, pursuing. Do you have there in verse 13 at the end, pursuing um, hospitality? Giving to hospitality. Giving hospitality? Given to. to. This word means, this is the word that you would use for a soldier chasing an enemy in, in battle. You're pursuing uh, hospitality, uh, uh, b- blessing those who who afflict, who, pers- who persecute you. Same word, by the way, as pursuing hospitality. Um, uh, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, weep with those who weep. I'm really happy to rejoice with people who rejoice. I'm not so good at weeping with those who weep. I get weary of that, yes? But that's not what you do with your grandchildren. Yes? When they are when they are getting an honor, you're there. Yes? When they're hurting, you hurt too, yes? Well, why would we not? If we do that for our grandchildren, why would we not do it for Christ's redeemed brothers and sisters? And I'm preaching to myself as much as to anybody here. Uh, and, and so forth through this. Uh, verse 16. Um, how, does, how does your text read there at the first phrase? Being of the same mind. Being of the same mind. Being of the same mind. Yeah. This, this is, uh, doesn't mean that you have to agree, but you have to have the same mental framework. Same basic way of thinking. That that each other have. So your your basic way of thinking is going to be determined by Romans one to eleven. Well, and the first part of this chapter was renewing your mind. Mm-hmm. You said that was I've received grace, therefore I have to give grace. That's grace. right. Yeah. So so we start with this basic mindset and work from that, and realize then how, how we're to deal with others. Um, in chapter thirteen. Verses 1 to 8, 1 to uh, 7, he talks about the role of the government. Now, that seems completely out of harmony, out of, out of place in the context, yes? But it's not. Look back at uh, verse uh, 18 of chapter 12. If it is possible, if it, uh, if it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. Uh, not avenging yourselves. Notice the word, do you have avenging yourselves? Taking vengeance. Mm-hmm. Not avenging yourselves, beloved, but give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if, if, you're, if your enemy is hungry, uh, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap coals of, of, of fire 
upon his head. And I've, I've never really understood exactly what that meant. So we'll pass on. But uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Look at verse 4. <clears throat> the governmental authority is the minister of God to you for good. But if you do evil, fear, um, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, an avenger for wrath to the one who does evil. Wherefore, uh, it's necessary to be subject, not only for the sake of wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Um, For this reason, you pay taxes. (laughs) <laughs> Yay. Thank you, Paul, for giving us that reminder. Uh, for this, But the point is that 13.1-7 is addressing the issue of wrath, of, of vengeance. There is no role for vengeance in the body of Christ. Not that I would assume any of you is involved in that at all, but folks get real political in church leadership. And these things eat churches up. Yeah. Um, so what we've got to get rid of is that party spirit and the sense of, well, you got to do what's right, and what's right is what I think is right. Exactly. You know, And I've even got verses for it. Okay, but have you interpreted them right? But even if you have interpreted them right, can you not see that the other has a point of view that also must be taken into account? And, and we must seek unity, not division in the body of Christ as much as we can. Yes, ma'am. Um, so the, the, um, the point of chapter 13, 1 to 7 is to address the issue of vengeance. There's no room for vengeance in the body of Christ. Genuine love leaves vengeance out of the issue. Um, Then he returns to that issue of genuine love in verses 8 through 10. Um, Don't have any outstanding debts that you can't pay is a good way to paraphrase this. Um, Except one, and that is to love one another. That's an outstanding debt that you have that you you can't pay off. Um, For the one who loves has fulfilled the rest of the law. And there, Chango, is your point from Romans 12. Um, for the the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, and you shall not steal, and you shall not uh, covet. If there's any other commandment, in this one it is summed up, uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> love works no harm to the neighbor. I, I need to comment on the word neighbor here. The neighbor means somebody who lives on the same block I do, right? Uh, in Hebrew, um, and Paul, of course, is, grew up a Semitic speaker, probably speaking Aramaic, but probably also speaking Hebrew. Um, in Hebrew, neighbor is anybody who's in covenant in the same covenant you're in. So any Israelite anywhere in the land is your neighbor. Any Israelite in anywhere in the land is your brother or your sister. So you owe the same kind of loyalty to members of the body of Christ that every Israelite owed to every Israelite. 
in the entire Old Testament period. Uh, so, uh, love works no harm to its neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So the the fundamental issue here is simple: that if you're going to make your body a living sacrifice, then it's going to mean uh, uh, ministry in your spiritual gift. I'm sorry. Yeah, ministry in your spiritual gifting. Loving without play acting. And then third, so let me move on here to, um, we have a parenthesis, by the way, at the end of chapter 13, on the urgency of these matters. Um, Look at that, verse 10, uh, verse 11, rather. Uh, But knowing this, the time, that the, it is already the hour for, for you to arouse from this from sleep for now is your salvation nearer than when you believed or nor is our salvation nearer than when we believed the night is far spent the day has drawn near the, the, perhaps we should read the dawning has drawn near um, I've lost it there it is let us put off the works of darkness let us put on the instruments of light uh, let's conduct ourselves a, a, in an orderly fashion as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in um, uh, sexual immorality and, and licentiousness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires. Uh, desire is too weak a word. Longings, um, uh, lusts is is a word that in, in modern English normally refers specifically to sexual issues uh, but yeah this it's a, a drive to satisfy itself um, with with this any questions on this as, as far as we've gone you know, it seems like there's two threads that have gone through there. One is love and the other is submission. Yeah. <clears throat> submission to God, submission to others, yeah. to government. That's right. To love God, That's to right. love others. Yeah. Well, it's it's actually uh, 1.30, so we probably ought to stop. We can deal with 14, 1 to 15, uh, was it 14, 15, something, 15, 13 next week. Uh, and then the conclusion of the book. Uh, the latter part of chapter 15 is general plans that Paul has and what he's trying to get accomplished. And then in ch- chapter 16, he has a, uh, a, a group of folks he greets. I'm going to take a few minutes with that because there's something really important to see there. So, Jim, we knew you couldn't do it. I, well... I, th- I thought we might, but we. Until the end of September. If I if I hadn't taken the time to talk about the Lord's Supper class, yeah, then I might have been able to do it. Yeah, it's Harlan's fault. Yeah, well, I tell you, I'm sure glad you're here, so I have a whipping boy. <laughs> All right, well, let's close with prayer. Uh, Father, uh, we see ourselves coming up so short on all of this, but you have you have approved us. You have included us among the elect. You've included us among those whom you love. 
So, Father, give us a heart to pursue these things and to, and to, and to see you at work in us. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.